You're listening to The Served Up Show, a podcast that features inspiring beverage professionals and topic experts that share their passions through meaningful content. Your hostesses, Bridget Albert, is best known as the Market Fresh Mixologist, an industry mentor with over 25 years of experience. And I'm Julie Milroy, best known for my passion for leading change and helping others grow in their careers. Grab a cocktail and sit back. Let's learn how we can make a positive impact in our industry. Hello, served up friends. I'm thrilled to introduce you to Falana Bouvier, an industry leader, an Asian American woman, and my sister from another mister. Falana is a president of Domina Estates, where she provides leadership and vision in creating a best-in-class sales and marketing organization. Domina Estates serves and supports the dynamic and growing portfolio of the Lawrence family fine wine estates and import supplier partners. The collection includes Heights Cellar, Burgess, Stony Hill, Rendell, Matze, and additional esteemed international producers across France and Italy. Valana is also a fierce advocate for empowering women. She's held multiple leadership roles within the community, and not only to create a path for women, but a movement to foster empowerment and elevate the role of women in the beverage alcohol industry unapologetically. Now grab a glass of your favorite Demean Estate wine. Sit back and get inspired. Hey, Falana, thanks so much for joining us on Served Up. Thank you. It's great to be here with you, Julie. Oh my goodness. I know we've been talking about this for so long and you're (laughs) such a busy lady all over the place. And I just feel so fortunate that we have this time together. Yeah. Well, you know, you and I have known each other. We've been kind of running into each other over the years from when I was at the wholesaler. And um, I just love the fact that we've, we've both like kind of been in each other's careers and now we get to actually get to know each other more. So just having you in uh, my life, Julie, is amazing. You add so much value. So thank you for all that you do for us, especially in this business. Oh, thank you, Falana. I still remember when I first met you. And I think that was when I just started getting involved with WSWA. And you were chair of the <laughs> Women Leadership Council. And I remember being there. And first, I was just really, I didn't even know WSWA had, first of all, woman. And then on top of that, woman that run it. And then on top of that, a Women Leadership Council. So I was so excited. Um, at the first one that I was, and I remember seeing you and being like, oh my gosh, an Asian woman, you know, it's like one thing to see woman in the business, but you know, and, and you were just, um, it was so wonderful and, and you were so busy. I think this was the one that was in Virginia and, and you were running around, but I felt like we connected in a way, you know, just like through and. And so there was just that connectivity. And I feel like throughout um, the years, uh, any opportunity I've had to to be able to connect with you has just been wonderful. And I feel like we're we're able to do it a lot more. Yes. And I think what you've done to your career, Julie, is amazing. So in having this podcast, having a platform 
to discuss like everything that's important to, in the business that is not only personal, but also professional. Cause I think we all kind of share the same challenges in a lot of ways and also uh, similar opportunities that we get a chance to be a part of, but it's important that you've created the circle to support uh, each other. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's really, you know, it wasn't the original plan when we had the idea to do a podcast, um, but it's become that way. And I think that there's really an appetite to, to hear from others, right, that have that have really navigated through this industry um, and and all the various things that they've done. And, and we always say that if we can get one listener to be inspired by your story, that's a huge success. Um, yeah, absolutely. So speaking of Falana, tell us about little Falana, where <laughs> um, we've all heard bits and pieces, but would like oh, to a little bit more about what growing up in your life was, what were the things that, that you really gravitated towards to kind of take you on your journey to where you are today? I know that's a very open-ended It's question. a big question. <laughs> oh, no, I appreciate it. And uh, thank you for having me share my story. And I, you know, I know a lot of people, especially in the industry, do know a little bit about how I, I came to be. You know, I always say that the wine industry found me. I, uh, you know, I had a very difficult upbringing. Um, I kind of raised myself. My parents got divorced when I was at a young age and I decided to live on my own, right? Every, every child that goes through divorce handles it differently. And, you know, I think my story is no, no more unique than others, actually, because you kind of just go every, everyone goes through it differently. And, um, coming from, I think one, my parents being from Vietnam, and coming over to the United States um, as immigrants and working really hard to get to where they needed to go. And then seeing your family not be able to come together during really, really rough times, I think was probably a, a challenge at the time when I was growing up. I definitely overcame it by you know coming on my own. And what I, I do owe a debt to my parents for is that they did teach me a hard work ethic, which is really important, right? And I think it's also our culture. I mean, we, I, I, my parents were very, very hardworking. So I definitely got that from them and, and being very diligent. And then when I, you know, came on my own, I uh, started in Hawaii, actually, in the hospitality industry. Mm -hmm. I, it was right before my 17th birthday that I moved there on my own and just yeah. raised myself. Um, and I fell into the, to the, I, my first job in the, you know, so-called liquor industry, wine industry was actually a merchandiser at Anheuser-Busch. And uh, it was a great experience. You know, I, I started at the bottom just like everybody else did. So similar as far as my upbringing in the business, but different because it didn't, I didn't come through it traditionally, right? I kind of had to like go to every level and um, didn't have some of the solid backgrounds that I think most people look for when you go into executive management, right? I didn't go through the Gallo School of Training. Um, unfortunately, you know, did not graduate from college. So I really was you know, in a way hustling, right. Just, just trying to ensure that whatever I was doing, I wanted to make sure that I could get a seat at that table. And a lot of it was, I didn't even, I kind of just bulldozed my way into the business in a lot of ways. Um, but very fortunate because I had wonderful mentors throughout my life and, uh, have really kept me on a, on a very, very positive path. But I started out in Hawaii, was a merchandiser, became a sales rep, uh, that was when Southern Wine and Spirits entered the market and I ended up jumping over and it was a fine wine sales rep. 
uh, for the coastal division, which is the um, which is more on the Diageo side of the, of the wine business. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Very familiar. We still have coastal and yeah. many mark. I was actually just with one of uh, our leads of Florida that manages coastal. So yeah, that's that's <laughs> when it first started was the coastal division, mm-hmm. and it was I, actually our first dedicated division. Yeah, like the first you know one that we did like that. That's so funny. Yeah, so it was great. Anyway, I did it for four years. And then I had, you know, I had some challenges because I wanted to move up in the organization. Um, and I decided that Hawaii was too small for me. And so I actually ended up resigning from my uh, wine rep job at Southern and I moved to California. And I became actually, I, I founded a water company, started my own importing business. And serendipitously, I met the Underwood family that owns Young's Market Company. And they ended up working with me and I was importing this water into the country. And I was just really kind of had this entrepreneurial bug. So I started, it's funny because I look back on how I started that import business. And now, you know, over 10 years later, I'm like running an import business. So it was almost like the beginning of how I, you know, decided I'm basically going to my own school, right? That I had created. And years later, it all comes to fruition, which, which is so funny about life. But I was very fortunate to have met the Underwood family. They brought me into the organization. I became a vice president for national accounts for California. And that was really my entry into serious, like, you know, wholesale career where I started as a VP, moved my whip through the organization, did different levels of management. And then when the opportunity came for me to run and, and be the first female GM to run a wholesaler, I did it for Hawaii. Oh, and wow. At 35, I ended up moving back to Hawaii, took on that role. And at the time, I did not realize I was the only woman. I was like just surviving as a GM, you know, and it was one of the greatest humbling lessons as a leader, because as a GM, you're doing everything, right? Especially for a small state, you're you're running operations, you're doing logistics, you're having pricing and programming, you're overseeing the chains, you're doing on-sell. So you're like involved in every single position. And it was a very hands-on experience for me. Um, and I learned a great deal. And you know, I was lucky to be, have been able to serve as its GM for almost five years, got the tap on the shoulder and was asked to move back to California through the Young System and oversee new business development for our corporate office. And that was working right with Mr. Underwood and, um, and obviously the executive team in, in California. And that was an extremely... A valuable experience because I learned how to do new, new business and new business mm-hmm. development. And I will say for those, and, and you know this, I, you do this now, Julie, anyone that has a new business development title, I give them a lot of credit because it's vague enough where you have to, <laughs> you new business is tough because mm-hmm. you have to identify challenges, identify risks, be proactive. Bringing in new business is an entirely different skill set and making sure you bring in the opportunity to the team and getting the right stakeholders around that table to ensure that deal comes through. And it's, you know, I strongly recommend new business development for anyone that's coming up through the wholesale tier is not only do execution, but really get involved in strategy and process because it really ties in everything together. Um, That's what I did. I did that for almost four years. RNDC came into the market and, um, ended up partnering with Young's Market Company. And, and, and obviously that, I, that transition happened. 
And I ended up moving over to RNDC and became their vice president of fine wine. And it was an interesting switch for me because I had been at this really, really high level in the organization at Young's. I went through a transition, obviously very similar when Southern came in and bought Glaciers, right? You, everyone kind of has to reassess. And, and I think you have a little bit of a hit to the ego, as I always say, because you're, mm-hmm. you're so used to being so on top. And then you have another organization that comes in and is asking you to basically prove yourself all over again. Mm-hmm. And you have this moment in your career where you say, okay, do I prove myself with this team or do I quit because, you know, I can do it better anyway. Mm-hmm. And you have to realize, I think for me, it was a decision of staying humble and staying on, right? And just surviving that transition, which was really important. I decided to transition into that role. And I'm glad I did it because I actually learned a lot about just, you know, running fine wine across the country and, and the fact that RNDC was in 28 states. And I learned a lot about the process and I'm glad I, I did that. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, the pandemic hit. And as we all know, when the pandemic hit, everyone took that experience differently, right? Some people became very successful during the pandemic and they decided, if you think about, if you look at businesses across, um, the sector of the restaurant business, some restaurants got, you know, they decided to do takeout, they pivoted, right? They just Mm -hmm. like, they did what they could. Some restaurants, unfortunately, they should have been more supported. And I think we're still recovering from that. And there's a lot that needs to be done to help support the on-premise business. And that needs to happen. And, you know, a lot of people you saw also this uh, increase in influencers and Psalms that decided to, you know, be very creative in wine selling and, and making sure that they were more available and, and more consulting work was happening. And that was really great to see. And then you saw a change and a shift with diversity and inclusion, which needed to happen and still needs to happen. Um, and, and as you know, I'm a, a, I'm a staunch advocate of that. And, and it's something that's very important, especially as we uh, continue to grow together in leadership. And I actually put it out into the universe and I'm like, you know, I don't know if I I can keep doing this corporate gig anymore in wholesale. I wanted to do, I wanted to challenge myself and do something different. And I was very fortunate to uh, have been recruited by, uh, I think, you know, Carlton, who is a phenomenal leader. He's, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the most, not only compassionate, but is just an amazing, just, he's a builder. He builds businesses and is very inspirational to work for. And what, uh, he is doing out here in Napa and, and how Domain Estates was created and the Lawrence Wine Estates and, and, and the wineries that we represent. It's been an absolute honor and privilege. And so I did a, I call it a graceful pivot <laughs> and uh, moved over to the supplier side and haven't looked back. And now your role is <laughs> Miss President of Domain Estates. <laughs> Let's not downplay that. Uh, um, it's very sweet. Very sweet. Yeah, thank you. And it's been, it's humbling, right? I, I, the role is very important because you are in a position where you can affect change and you have to, I think it's important to have a vision. Domain has been extremely fortunate because we have, I believe we have the best people working with us currently right now, the best people you're in, in any organization and you're, when you're building something, it's difficult and there's not a lot 
of people out there. If you think about it, when it comes to building a company, you have to be able to get through the hard stuff. And most people think of building and they think, okay, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to build it for the next, let's say, however long. And it's just, but if you are not really actively working on building it, then you just, you, you do get behind. And I always say, you know, Domain is a company of builders, not a company of maintainers. When we interview people and we've had some really fantastic people come through our organization. But what happens is they realize too, like, wow, this isn't, it's different working for a company that's a startup versus working for a company that's already established are two mm-hmm. different skill sets that are needed. And you have to be able to have the wherewithal to say, you know what, even though this company may not be as established as where I was coming from, I get to build my own team and build my own department. And it's not easy. And, you know, I, I know that I'm very confident that the people that we have here at Domain, they've all been able to build their own departments and, and, and build a division. And it's one of the greatest feelings in the world to come into something. And if you start off with a blank canvas and you just get to build it, when you see those results, it's like the greatest feeling ever. It is, right? Because it's like a catch-22. You can say, well, I was grandfathered in this, or I took somebody else's team. So, you know, it's not mine. And, And then again, when you have to build, it's like, why wasn't this already in place? And it would have been different if it was already set up. And and I see that too within our organization. I mean, we're obviously a huge organization, but we're also family owned and each state kind of built their own stuff. So in a lot of ways, we act like a family owned company, a family owned business, and we would have great talent that come from some of these, you know, public traded companies where everything's lined up and and you could always see who is going to last and who's not. Because if yes. you come in and you expect everything to be perfect and systems and processes in place, not, as you would have in right. like a publicly traded company, you're not going to get that here. But what I love about just even our company is this entrepreneurial spirit, right? You have a great idea. You can impact that and and make it your own. And I think for you to be able to come in and and lead Demena States, have this team, everybody be able to, you know, build it on their own. And then by the way, have some incredible wines, like (laughs) the best in the world, like that definitely helps. Um, So tell us a little bit about that. Like, you know, how do you guys, how did you guys build your portfolio of wines? How are you kind of sourcing new brands? Cause like, you know, with, with, with some of these new ones and, and what's the, vision, you know, of, are they certain countries, certain uh, appellations or, or how do you guys, what fits into Domina States? Oh, I, I think that's such a great question. Um, and, and thank you for that. So, uh, Domain is split into two different books, right? We have a domestic luxury portfolio, which are all of our Lawrence wine estate wines, right? So the Lawrence, obviously Galen Lawrence and, and Carlton created a company called Lawrence wine estates. And that company is the company that owns Stony Hill, Burgess, Anchorage, Brendel, Heights, and they're conti- and Haynes, mm-hmm. and they're continuing to buy not only just in the vineyards, you know. And, and Carlton's very—he he actually has done such a fantastic job in his vision—is building a company of legacy wineries and repositioning them for, you know, it's it's like it's almost like we reposition 
luxury in a lot of ways, right? We take something that is so special, like Heights, that has over a 60 year history. And we, and he puts on, you know, he creates a, a brand new label for it. And it's really just like, it's, re, it's almost like a, like a little bit of a reposition, right? Just a light polish. And it's not changing the, the history because history is what makes us, that's what's important here is being able to tell its history and honoring the history of all of our legacy wineries. So you'll see a, it's really awesome. When you look at the wineries that we, that the Lawrence family owns, you'll see a thread in history, all the Napa Valley history books, they always talk about the benchmark wineries and, and how it started. And there's only a few, right. That are like that. Burgess is one of them, Stony Hill and Heights. And they all have history and, and they were all tied to Napa Valley. And it's about low intervention winemaking, natural farming, and creating wines that are full of elegance and balance and are structured, which is naturally going to come with low alcohol, right? And the, and, the, and the vineyards being farmed naturally. And so that for us is what's important for our domestic wineries. On the import side, it's led by our new business development is actually led by Scott Diaz, who's my SVP of marketing and our director of portfolio development, Kimberly Bowden. They're doing a phenomenal job because we identify growing trends in the import market and then we build off of them. So as an example, Chablis is very hot, right? Mm -hmm. You can't get enough of it. And it's, it adds enough volume. It's got enough margin in there. We, we look for things for partners that will not only be mutually beneficial for us, but also be mutually beneficial for the distributor. So, at, you know, at Domain, we, number one, we respect our wholesalers so much. You know, we, we don't believe in the direct model. We want to go through the wholesale model, but we also want to make sure the wholesaler is making money. And I always joke around with the wholesalers because every supplier will say, oh, you're making too much margin. Mm -hmm. We ensure that they make enough margin, but we also partner with them. And we want to make sure that we're bringing in items that you're all looking for and not like a ton of SKUs that you have to set up. So La Chablisienne is one of the largest producers of Chablis. Mm -hmm. And we can confirm and, and bring in you know, amounts of Chablis and not run out, which is important for a distributor. You don't want to run out of stock on something that is actually in demand. Chianti is another uh, category that we've identified that's growing and doing well. Everyone loves Italian wines. We brought on the Metze portfolio, 600 years of winemaking. So it's, it all ties together to legacy. La Chablisienne has been doing it for a hundred years. They're celebrating their hundred year anniversary this year. Uh, we have a Burgundy by Domaine de Monti, uh, which is Etienne Monti. We also have his Santa Barbara wines, which is Racine. The sparkling is phenomenal. You know, so we, we really identify and allocate time towards growing trends in the market. We're not going to fill the book up with a bunch of things that aren't going to sell. That's, that's not who we are. It's going to be a very carefully curated luxury portfolio. We have a Barolo Barbaresco from Carome, which is delicious. The most beautiful family ever just the nicest people. And we just love partnering with them. And we have a fantastic champagne, which is Le Grand Haas, which is garnering outstanding scores. It's a boutique champagne. Um, the Blanc de Blanc is delicious. So we really work on just choosing the right partners. We're not just filling a book to fill a book. Mm -hmm. That's not who we are. I love that because I think, you know, obviously the fine wine world is so abundant. It's so big. There's amazing wines so everywhere. 
And the continuity is tough, right? Especially if you have national scale and and you're in, you know, across all markets is you get something good, everybody gets a taste of it, and then it's not available anymore, you know, and then you wait till the next vintage. And and I'm constantly reminded it it is an agricultural product, right? (laughs) So um, it's so funny. We had one of our, you know, supplier, you know, annual meetings and they're like, yeah, they didn't understand that it's an agricultural product, right? It's not like spirits where you can just produce, make a ton of it. And I think the fact that you guys are really focused on, you know, that type like a Chablis and partnering with a winery that you can get that, you know, that volume to make sure that, you know, if you've got that restaurant that loves the wine, that they can continue to to keep getting it. Yeah. Guaranteed continuity. And and you basically that's the, that's the word is continuity is just ensuring that, you know, in order for a distributor to build your brand, you have to be in stock. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, tell me about it. (laughs) Right. And then of course, there's the distributor management. I think what Domain brings to the table is we have a, all of our leaders on a Domain have a ton of experience in distributor management and it's being present, right? I, I My team would almost say that I'm almost too involved because <laughs> I'm very hands-on because I know everyone, right? I grew up in the wholesale business. So it's kind of hard to, for a wholesaler to give me one narrative when I, I know how it works, right? I understand the inner workings. But I also completely respect where where wholesale is going as well. But we do need, you know, we're a small player still. We have to punch above our weight. And I tell this to the team all the time, to gain the attention and, and to be prioritized at the distributor is one of the hardest things to do because they have so much that they're chasing already. So you have to add value when you're having a distributor meeting. You have to be buttoned up. You have to have a presentation ready. You have to have your questions. You because we're small. And so it's important for us that we need to be nimble and flexible, but also very supportive to the distributor, but ensure we, you know, we got to punch above our weight. Yeah. And, and it's true, right? I, I think the best working relationships are the people that have had experience on both sides. So even a lot of the new talent that we have coming over in leadership roles have been on the supplier side for a long yes. time and now they're coming on distributor and and vice versa and it and it really does help to kind of create that partnership. You know, I think in the past it was always like distributor versus supplier and everybody's like holding their cards really close and not sharing and and what I've learned is like the more transparent we are, you know, we have the common goal, right? Is to to sell more is that when you have that transparency, that trust and that partnership, you can really see the opportunity. Um, yeah. So that's that's wonderful. And I love that our companies get to work together. And, oh, you yes. Know, and it's, <laughs> it's, it's really great because it's, you know, there's so much pride in being able to represent these brands. But, you know, so take us through your, so you've had so many different roles, leadership roles, being the first female GM of a state, you know, we're still working towards that, by the way, <laughs> I know. in 2023. It's not for everyone. I have to say it's, it's definitely not, you know, that position being a GM is one of the, is one of the most unappreciated roles at the wholesaler, because one day you're a hero and the next day you're not. And yeah. as a GM, you are having to really go through um, your day managing a lot of different things. 
and making sure that, that, you know, suppliers are happy. And we all know that, you know, there's always a, a few that would like more business and attention, of course, and then also managing the team, doing operations, mm-hmm. but also warehouse and delivery. Mm-hmm. Warehouse yeah. and delivery, right? That's the number one most important thing is just to make sure the product is delivered on time. And so I give a lot of credit to the GMs out there. It's it's tough. It's a tough job because it's not what people think it is. <laughs> That's for yeah. Sure. It's not like they're just sitting in their big chair, like I'm the GM. No. And and yeah. I, I, I do recognize it, you know, and especially just in the last few years with all these natural disasters and hurricanes and storms and, and all this stuff, you know, and, and now you're dealing with people's lives and families and and I do. So shout out to all of our GMs. Oh, we know you work so hard. I know, but also for the but then also the women GMs. I mean, I know yeah. you have a few at Southern. I think the other distributors, there's areas of improvement where they need to, right? But we also need, and this is important, right? Is and in, in, in identifying the women that are coming up to the organization and creating that bench for them. So that way they can slide into that spot. Mm-hmm. And I believe that there is probably more room for improvement on that side and allowing women to come forward. And it's not even like, cause we don't need to be allowed to, I mean, I just do it right. No one needs to allow mm-hmm. me to do anything, <laughs> but to make, to have, to create a space where there is a path forward, right? Because mm-hmm. you know that the people that are being picked into these roles had been, you know, I think what's great, what Southern has shown is just the next generation of leadership, right? Having Jennifer Chaplin there, just identifying the next gen leaders, especially for women at wholesale is important. And, and for the women out there, the wholesale life is not an easy life. I mean, you, you are asked to do a lot. You're working beyond the eight hour day. It's unfortunate, but it is. And you have to ask yourself whether or not that is something there's sacrifices that have to be made and it is harder on the female yeah. side because mm-hmm. there, you know, because we feel like we need to do anything, be everywhere and do everything and do it to the best of our ability and not feel guilty. And we have to stop apologizing every five minutes. Right. That's like, as women, like, that's the first thing we do is like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like, yeah, you never hear men apologize for, for wanting to be successful or wanting to move to the next spot or, you know, I, I can remember talking to my boss going, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry, but, you know, I'm really thinking about moving to this next role. Like, and so you're so ingrained to apologize to be successful. And it's like, I really encourage women, like, it is okay to be loud and successful mm-hmm. and feel good about it. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I think that was kind of the next thing I wanted to kind of ask you is, you know, and I, I think you really come across as you know, and I'm, I'm speaking for you, but like, you didn't wait for somebody to invite you to the table. You just kind of dove right into there, right? Like I, here I am, I'm showing up. And I think that's something I've really admired about you is that you're like unapologetically you, right? And, and there's no hiding behind it. And I feel that as women, we need that, right? And versus like thinking of all the reasons why we might not be included or night might not be accepted or might be awkward is you just kind of rip off the bandaid and go in. So, you know, I mean, if you were going to give advice to other women that have maybe held back a little bit and hoping that there's going to be this path that opens up, 
you know, what would your, what is your advice based on your experience? Be your own cheerleader and be okay with it. I, I, I do believe that as we're growing up, you know, and I'll, I'll use myself as an example. And, and this obviously isn't the same experience for everyone, but when I was focused on being my own cheerleader, as I was coming up to the organization, it was almost like sometimes I would get a fee, I would get feedback going, oh, Falana's like, she is all about herself, right? That's what you get. You know, she's, she's promoting herself to get into this role, right? And, and, and self-promotion for a woman is like, it's like looked down upon, Mm -hmm. but yet when you see the men slide in to these roles and I know they work hard too. So I, I, you know, I don't, don't take anything personally by saying I see a slide, but they're like on a golf course networking, they're out with their uh, colleagues at a dinner, they're, they're being invited to the meetings but the women aren't there, right, to, to advocate for themselves. It is okay as a young person to advocate for yourself and to promote yourself. It is okay. And I wish I would have done more of it. I only started doing more of it as I got higher into my roles because I had the confidence, right? I had already got, I had the title. So I'm like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be this title that I was given, that I've earned. But when I was younger, it was almost hard for me to advocate myself because I started believing all the things that when you interview for a role, and I, and I say this to my team, look beyond the resume, look at the life experience. Don't just take the resume and go, okay, this person doesn't have the experience. I'm not even going to interview them. Like you have to look beyond it because if someone were to look at my resume, I mean, granted, I had the experience with the distributors, but there's other parts of my resume where there's gaps. And so I really had to take it upon myself to be not only to show up when I needed to show up, but to like not leave until they gave me the job. Right. That's that was kind of my point is like I would fly myself to a meeting and literally sit in front of my boss's desk and just be like, I'm not leaving here until I get it till something gets done because I was so diligent. But you have to be able to talk yourself into it because there's days where you don't feel like doing that. Right. Mm-hmm. We're just, it's exhausting <laughs> to constantly be pushing and climbing and right. And it's mm-hmm. harder for some than and, and easier for others to have that confidence. And, you know, I even say this to myself today to continue to build your confidence is an ongoing journey. Mm-hmm. It never ends. Right. Yeah. You, you're still going to talk yourself. You know, I, I, I still do it to this day. And, you're always constantly having to prove yourself to somebody because there's always going to be somebody that's going to challenge you. And you have to just have a very strong mindset. And, you know, if being an honest, good person where you're treating people with respect and you work hard, it does pay off. Working hard does pay off. And I did not take any shortcuts and it has paid off. And I, and I, and I, and, and I think for my work ethic today, my team knows. We don't like shortcuts. I want them to to do it the right way and and to build it the right way. And it can sometimes take a little bit longer. It can sometimes be frustrating because you're still building a process and laying a foundation. But to challenge yourself and to get through the hard days, you've got to have the confidence and be your own be your own cheerleader. I love that, and I think it's it's something that we need to hear over and over again because I think that was one of the first. Um, the best advice I got, you know, when I, when I joined Southern, I had a big gap between working for like a big company, um, and going back to a big one, you know, I had met with 
one of the brand ambassadors at the time, Sarah Halstead, where she told me, she's like, my best advice is toot your own horn because nobody will, nobody's going to toot it for you. Yes. And I didn't really know what that meant, but then I started seeing you get so many wins throughout the day. Right. And, and, you know, talking to like, maybe that salesperson, you, you had a great win because the buyer told you you're the best salesperson they ever had. They added this by the glass or this or that. Like you have to share those successes, not only for everybody else to know, but for you to know what your capabilities and the value that you bring. And as you do that, you start building that confidence and you will have people saying, oh, it's just about you. It's, you know, or you're just self-promoting. And I think the thing that I've always kept in mind is everything that I'm doing and, and whether I'm, you know, sharing my successes, it's all for the benefit of the business, right? It's all about pushing the business forward. It's, and I think if you have that value set of what's important to you, like you said, good person, hardworking, treat people well, you know, those are values. So I've I've turned it around. It's like, no, I'm not self-serving. I'm value serving, right? I'm I'm serving my own values and the values to my customer. I like that. Right. It's not self-serving and, and it's, it's okay because ultimately everything I'm doing is to move the business forward so that we can all succeed. It's not about me making an extra couple hundred dollars or whatever it is, or, or me getting, you know, attention or fame. It's, it's about the overall objective of the company. And I think that we should all, if, if that's your, your goal, right, is, is to move the business and the overall team, it's okay to share your successes because people need to know, right? It's sharing best practices so that they do the same. Right. And we encourage all of our team members. It gets uncomfortable, right? When you challenge yourself and you become an advocate for yourself, it's so important because you learn so much and you learn how to advocate for your own department. You learn how to advocate for your team. And so it's a process mentally that you go through as a leader that if you can do it for yourself, then you'll know how to do it for others. And as someone that now, you know, it's not about myself, right? It's about domain and advocating for domain, advocating for my leadership team, ensuring that they get a fair share and a fair shot at something that they're trying to build with me, right? So it's a team effort. Mm-hmm. It's a team effort. And I think being the cheerleader for other women is so important. You know, you, we need women to be successful because together we are more powerful. Mm-hmm. One of, you know, there's challenges always when you see other women that are competitive with each other. But to me, it's, it's almost, it's not worth it. It's never worth it. Because if you are spending so much of your time trying to, unfortunately, and I've seen it in my career, right, where women are not as invited to sit at the table with other women we're only hurting ourselves Mm -hmm. because the gap is already small, you know, with after the post pandemic and the fact that we do need to add more flexibility for working mothers. And it's important that you have companies that understand what working moms go through, right. Or just, but then how can they move up in an organization if they're not in the office? And so we have to be able to create, obviously having platforms like this, and being able to educate and support other women in the business while they come up is, is I think it's vital to any success for any industry. Absolutely. And I feel that that is something that 
continues to be a challenge, right? Is is other women leaders supporting other women? And I think you nailed it on the spot with when you learn to advocate for yourself in a very meaningful, thoughtful way to, you know, drive the overall objective, you are then able to do it for others. That's where right. I where I feel that um it is a challenge is sometimes people not getting there, right? Not being able to advocate for others. And more than ever, we need to advocate for women. Everybody needs to advocate for women and women need to advocate for other women. Yeah. And I feel the guys do it so naturally. I see it all the time. You know, they barely know him. Oh, he's a great guy. Yeah, I like him. He's great. He's great. You know, and I don't know. I feel like women are a lot more you know, we're a lot more conservative with our referrals and, and saying like, oh, this person's great. This person's great. And whereas the guys do it so easily, you know, and I think that we need to be a little bit more open to bringing other women to the table when we have those opportunities yes. and that reach. I mean, how often are you the only woman within, you know, I mean, we can name these, right? And I think yes. even bringing it up. I I was at a meeting and it was so funny because me and my counterpart, er, he runs Foley nationally, Jonathan yeah. Holster, shout out. <laughs> and he was like texting. We we're like all in California about to meet up. And he's like, okay, I'll meet you guys at the bar. And I'm like, okay, I'll be there. And he's like, everybody with you. And I'm like, yes, I have all the boys. Because you know? <laughs> it was like me and like six of the guys, right? I'm like, I'm bringing know. And he just kind of laughed. He's like, oh my God, you're right. Like, if it's so normal, you know, and it's not like we're going to change anything right there. And I love all the guys, you know, this is a great team. I'm not taking anything away from it, but it's okay to recognize point out the obvious and say like, Hey, you guys, and it's not because of lack of, a t- of talent, you know, with woman, like we, when you look at like the manager or even director down to the sales, there's so many women, right? But yeah. it, what happens is it stops. Once you get to that VP level, then it really slows down. But I think the more that we continue to advocate for each other, get champions, um, be a champion for other women right. and continue to ask those men to be champions, we can start kind of changing that. I always say to the, to the men, it's great. It's, fun. it's so interesting. You just said like the men to be champions, right? And I, and in my wholesale days, I used to say to the men, like, you don't have a choice. You have to champion. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you, why wouldn't you want a diverse team? Why wouldn't you want diversity of thought? Why wouldn't you want different opinions and, and, and really learning the business through a different lens? And it's like, in order for any business to be successful, regardless of what the business is, right? Whether it's wine or retail or any other industry, you have to have women in that organization driving some of those execution points and driving some of that business, driving the business because you need to have a balance, right? It's yeah. just important to have a balance. And, and that's like kind of just to me, like common sense, right? Like, and we always talk about diversity in the business, but it's, it really comes to your DNA. I mean, you have to be diversity by diverse by nature, right? This isn't, mm-hmm. I don't want to have to work in an organization where I need to take a test to learn whether or not I'm diverse or not. Yes. I, I feel, <laughs> I, you know, I'm so glad you said that because it's like all this about D 
DNI, DNI, and like you need to take training on DNI. And I'm like, I, you know, and, and I think for us, like we were born into DNI, like it's part yes. of our our blood, yes. and, and you know, and and whatever. But it's almost like you can't teach DNI. It's either part of your values or it's not, you know. Right. And and what I do feel that in our industry, and and though that there's still a lot of room for change, I do see the change happening, even from when I got in, you know, 15, 20 years ago, it's different today than it was, right? With someone like you being president of one of the finest wine portfolios in the world, right? And 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 being able to show up who you are as you are, not wearing like the pinstripe suits, trying to look like the man, like you're showing up as a woman, you know, unapologetic. And I think that that's so important. But as an industry, we are very tied to pop culture too. So yes. If you're going to be, you know, if you're going to be relevant in the market and where our consumers are, by the way, half of the consumers are women, right? So you, <laughs> you need to be able to speak to that. But then the yes. diverse consumers, right? I mean, and and also the millennials that right. are so mixed and blended, you know, like you need that diverse leadership to really speak to your customers and your consumers. Absolutely. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And it definitely you see more attention on it, which is great. I, I I love that it's a subject matter that people aren't like they're people are talking about it more. I mean, when I was at the wholesaler 20 years ago, God forbid you talk about that. I, mean, I you know. Like, keep your mouth shut. <laughs> right. Now it's like there's organizations and there's educational programs, which I think is important. And it's, a you know, and I think leadership programming is is really important, but it's also just working together, right? It's just being able to work together for a common goal and, 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 and to get results out of it. These are all positive things. Like, why wouldn't you? I mean, I just think about the wine business, how great it is, is that like, you know, you and I met years ago during WSWA, right? I've been wanting to get to, like, we never had an opportunity to really network in the same room, except only at WSWA, if you think about it because I was at a different wholesaler. And now it's like, it's coming full circle. And to me to see you, like, I mean, I just absolutely love seeing you. Like when you post on LinkedIn or you're just like, here I am, or this is what I'm doing. Or it's like, you want to see the people in your life shine. And mm -hmm. that is a good thing. And for the women out there that don't allow other women to shine, we're only hurting ourselves. And mm -hmm. We need all women to just make room at the table. Like you don't have to be the only woman in the room that the guys go to. Open it up. I think that's so important. And give other women an opportunity to have a voice is like, it's the most powerful thing we can do as a leader. Right. Like, you know, every day you should look for an opportunity that when you are talking to your network of leadership of, you know, these men that you drop a woman's name, yes. mention somebody like, Hey, I, yeah, need Falana lately, you know, she's amazing, you know, <laughs> and I think those things are really helpful, but, you know, I still remember like you and I being, you know, meeting and passing, but me sending you like a LinkedIn message, Aww. like, Hey, I really liked it. And you were just so supportive. Like you're amazing. We should keep <laughs> in touch, blah, blah, blah. And I think those things really help build that confidence, right? Because yes. it's like, she's out there. She puts herself out there. I'm going to put myself out there, you know? And I think that that helps build your confidence when other people are supporting you, supporting your posts, engaging with you, you know, supporting you at, at, at work stuff. And, 
and all those little things count. It's, it's never, you know, unnoticed. Yeah. And putting yourself out there, it's okay to say it is intimidating. Mm -hmm. Putting yourself out there is intimidating, right? Because you know that it's, it's not going to garner the same attention that you're hoping for. Sometimes it it brings in, people may say even negative attention because you're putting out, you're putting yourself out there and you're opening yourself up to feedback. But here's what I'll say to people that, you know, feedback is a gift and it can be constructive, but you will know the difference between someone giving you positive or critical feedback or someone that just wants to put you down. You'll know the difference. Yeah. And having that confidence to understand the difference it's a good thing, right? It's a powerful thing to know. Like, you know what? I know that this person, that's not about me. That's, that's something about them. <laughs> yeah. And I'm okay with that. And I'm going to, I'm going to be graceful about it. And you got to rise to the occasion and it's hard, right? Because to be the bigger person is a huge leadership quality in itself. And to rise above, you know, especially during times of challenges, and being able to create that network of, of supporters, that's where you just, you, you have to build your support system, right? No one's going to do it for you. You, you got to mm-hmm. build it yourself. Yeah. And I always, you know, some of the kind of some advice that I've been giving recently is just, you need to ask, ask for the help, ask for the yes. support. Like you were saying with, you know, some of the men that you'd be like, no, you have no choice. You have to sponsor me. <laughs> like you're doing it. Yes. I feel that. And I learned this and, and don't get it wrong, but I've like advice is nobody cares, but everybody wants to help. Right. So like, nobody's thinking about how can I help Julie today? Or what does Julie need from me? They're not thinking about Julie, but if I go and say, Hey, I need you to help me with X, Y, and Z. Yes, of course, I'll help you, you know, and I think a lot of these leaders, they never want to say no, especially if, if they know you work hard, they know that you're really, you know, out there trying to do the right thing. If you just tap them and say, there's this job I'm going for, or I need you to put in a good word for me, or can you help me with this? I don't think that there's a no, unless they, they've got positive feedback for you, right? And that that's a time where you really want to take it and, and take it to heart. And it is a blessing. Yeah, it's a blessing for sure. And you get to work with, I mean, look, I always say wine brings people together and we work for an incredible industry where we get to travel and, and meet different people and, and, and again, see something I mean, you know, this working on the supply now that you're managing a supplier, right? Like how cool is it to see your brands grow in the I business? It's such an awesome feeling, right? Cause you get to actually witness building something. Um, and I think that's, what's so important about That's what's kept me in the wine business all these years is, is really the people. Yeah. Tougher days. It's always, but you know, you have to get through those tough days by knowing that there are people in your camp that are supporting you. Yeah. And I think as challenging it is, and it, and it's, you know, it's, it's a tough business, right? It's always moving. It's very competitive. There's a lot going on, but you know, there's very few experiences where I don't like the people that I'm around. I mean, I truly enjoy the people that I work with, you know, wow. and, and we're all so different and from different, you know, from every angle, whether it's <laughs> age, gender, interests, all that stuff. But in the end, we sell alcohol for a living, you know, and it's, and it's, and it's still rooted in hospitality. We are a hospitality industry. And I just love that there's so much that's going on um, with giving back, giving back to the community. And I think more than ever, where 
uh, beverage brands are actually, you know, giving back and doing things to mentor, you know, up and coming people to to really build equity in this yeah, industry. Absolutely. Oh, I love it. So what are Falana, what are some things that you're really excited for in 2023 for Demina oh. States and and kind of what you want to see flourish this year? Oh, oh I love that question. Um, all great questions you're asking, by the way. This is the to me, this is what makes I think this a conversation that we're having in your podcast so fun because mm-hmm. the questions you're asking allows me to also be myself. Yes. That's <laughs> right? what we want. Typical, especially, you know, when you're in a leadership position, you always you kind of have to like you want to make sure everything's always it's important to be professional always. <laughs> uh, you know, domain is just beginning, right? I, I say this to the team a lot. We're continuing to build a portfolio. We were founded in the pandemic during the pandemic. So we haven't gotten to a place yet where we actually know what what normal is because we're still building. And what makes me excited about, especially this year, is we're finally selling imports. We're getting into the import game. We're building out our domestic luxury portfolio. We're still launching brands, right? Um, there's always something to do at Domain. It's 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 never a dull moment. <laughs> That's for sure. And the team is continuing to evolve. That's what, to me, the most exciting is to see our leadership team evolve into their roles. Because when you work for an organization where you're wearing so many different hats, it's like you don't, it's it's hard to actually do the job that you you, you need to do without doing other things going on at the same time. And when you're building a team, you're wearing several hats because you don't have as much headcount as like the organization across the street. And you have to be okay with that. And what makes me excited for for Domain is we're just beginning. I mean, it's it's just beginning. I am excited to see what's going to look like five years from now. I'm excited to see the portfolio continue to develop. I'm excited to see all of our hospitality uh, experiences. They're going to be opening up this year. You know what the Lawrence Wine Estates is doing to Burgess. It's going to be open in the spring as well as Stony Hill. And, you know, uh, we just launched a new pavilion at Anchorage, which is called the Senses Experience. You know, I'm looking forward to seeing how that is all going to evolve and how we're taking a major stake in hospitality and a major stake in the luxury cab portfolio and a major step step forward in imports. And I love the fact that we're competing with all the big boys. I think that to me, that to me is what excites me is um, for those that know me, I'm extremely competitive. I am also an extremely hard worker and our team, our, our team ethos and our philosophy, we all punch above our weight. So for us, we kind of like to give the competition a little run for their money, which makes me excited. <laughs> I love to, we love to win at Domain. We love to win. And we're nimble. We're small. We're a small and mighty team. But I, I, I can't be more proud of my team. I, I have a phenomenal leadership team and I'm honored to work with them every day. That's just amazing. I mean, you know, you have to remind us that you guys were really born out of the pandemic because just seeing how Demean shows up and the brands and and the awards that you're receiving <laughs> is like, you would think that you guys have been around forever, you know, and and it is exciting to see that if this is what you can accomplish in the last few years, like what are the next few years like? And, you know, and, and it and it just 
makes you think of that small production, amazing wine, right? It's small, but it's, it's mighty, right? Once it gets into that bottle and I'm just so excited, you know, to, to follow your leadership and thank you for paving the path for women leaders and executive leaders like you is being so approachable and just being your authentic self means so much. And it really does help give that confidence. I mean, definitely for me, and I'm sure you've impacted so many other women as well. Oh, thank you. I just love being on here with you, Julie. And then anything I can do to assist, we got to get you out to our hospitality as well um, and come out and visit us in Napa. And I think for the Southern Glaciers Network, I'm entirely, we're really fortunate because we have a great distributor partner. You know, this, I, I, I mean this, we have a fantastic engagement. Uh, we continue to drive for more engagement always, but it's important to note that our success wouldn't be here without our distributors. And, and we're very, very grateful for that. And I think having conversations and being as direct as possible, I, I invite all women to be just totally direct when it comes to working in this business, because life is so short. You got to just be able to ask a direct question and don't apologize for it. hundred percent. What a great way to, to wrap up, but yes, I mean, we will, you'll, you'll be seeing me. I'd love to see you in Napa. I know the last time I saw you was here in Miami. I know. um, Yes, we have to do it again. Um, but you know, thank you for everything that you do and for paving the way and sharing your story with us on served up. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Julie. Thanks for listening. Served Up is brought to you by Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. Produced by Zunu.online. Music by We Kill the Lion can be found on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe to be notified of future Served Up episodes. Cheers.